You're listening to the Arsenal Church Podcast. To learn more about the Arsenal, go to thearsenal.church. And if you'd like to receive more content throughout your week, feel free to download the Arsenal Church app. Today, we are wrapping up this series called Identity. And um, again, just to sort of recap, what this series was all, was all about was kind of going over some of the core components of who we are in Christ. What does it mean to put our faith in Jesus, and what does that mean about us? It changes our identity. It changes really who we are and how we define ourselves, or it's more coming to a realization of who we are. And there were some really key concepts, and all of this, I'm not going to spend too much time recapping because all of it is on our Arsenal podcast, um, which you can find on Apple Music or Spotify. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it, I, I've, had a, I've had a week, man. Um, but I'm ready. I, like, today, today I, feel, I feel ready and I spent some time preparing this. This is a topic that I've spoken on many times, and so I came in feeling prepared. Have you ever gone into a situation feeling totally unprepared? For me, that's like worst nightmare, right? Going into things feeling unprepared. Um, I remember when I was in college, and it was like my first year out of high school. I'm going into college, and, you know... <laughs> Going into college is, is a, it's a tough transition because they don't like remind you that you have big projects coming up in college. Like, and they don't even tell you. They're like, you got the, I, like, I emailed the syllabus. Actually, back then it was like, you got a syllabus in the mail or something, you know? <laughs> you got a syllabus at the beginning of the year and today your huge project was due. Like, you have to give a speech in front of the class. And that, like, that happened to me in speech class. Um, I took speech. I don't know if you can tell at this point, but that was a long, long time ago. Anyway, I showed up to speech class and they're like, today is the day that you're supposed to give a speech in front of like your entire college class. And you were supposed to bring an item with you to talk about a significant item that's meaningful to you. And then so my speech was basically, um, my speech was basically like, one time I almost died, so I am my item. And it was horrifying, man. Like, that's all I had. I mean, I felt like I did pretty good with what I had, but man, it was, it was rough. Rough, right? Like, going into things unprepared is, is the, it's like the worst for me. Like, I want to feel like I know what's going on. Some, some of you do it well, though. Some of you, like, get by, and I'm just, like, that's such an admirable Chad. Chad's like, I, I don't know, like, prepare. What are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, I just go, man, just go. Um, but, yeah, like, like, the idea of looking like I'm unprepared, oh, man, it's, like, that's horrifying to me. And so much that I, like, I overthink everything. Like, I'm on, Chad and I are on the opposite ends of the spectrum there. Chad's like, just go, dude, just do it. And I'm, like, overthinking. I, like, I overthink so much that I annoy myself. I'm like, Rob, just do it. It gets annoying sometimes, right? The, the overthink. I'm like, what about this? What about this? What about this? And then something goes wrong one time, and I'm like, I told you. What about that? Like, we should have overthought. All because feeling unprepared. 
And honestly, like this idea of feeling unprepared, like I, I feel like a lot of people deal with this because life is just filled with, filled with, filled, filled with pressure. Like life has a lot of pressure and it has a lot of moments like we're going into job interviews and we're meeting new people and you're trying, you're walking into a new church where you don't know anybody and you're like, these people are weird. I feel not prepared to be here. I wish I would have known what it was like before I walked in. Now it's awkward because I want to leave. Uh, you know, like there's all of these things that like go through our heads. Like thing, life is hard and we're constantly faced with things and, and times and like situations where we want to feel more prepared and this really translates into the christian walk as well you know every week we tell you here at the end of service we're like go love well so you're made to be and that and that really points to an idea of of your of a very divine purpose we believe you have purpose here uh, a Bible verse that we read a lot is Ephesians 2.10. It says, we are the masterpiece of God. You are the workmanship of God. Do you ever, do you ever, let's just, I mean, like, let's get real. Like, we, we talk about this and we say these things and we're in church. But do you ever go home and you're like, am I, though? You know what I'm saying? Like, like you go to work and you, I don't know, like you, you have an outburst or something or you're feeling stressed or like just life is a lot and you're like, like that little thought, like you're the masterpiece and you're like, mm. like if there was ever an opportunity to experience imposter syndrome, it would be in the situation where it's like, you are the masterpiece of God and you're like, mm, like, Okay. And that's even one, like a lot of times with imposter syndrome, you look around and you're like, man, other people have this and I don't. We hear this and you're like, are they? You know what I mean? Like look around. The masterpiece of the creator. That's what the Bible says. And it's tough. Like, like, is that the life I'm called to? I'm supposed to walk out here and I'm supposed to, like, represent God. I'm supposed to be his masterpiece walking out into the world. Look at me, world. Masterpiece. You know what I mean? Like, this is pressure. Am I, like, am I prepared for this? Maybe other people are prepared for this, but I don't, like, eventually I'm going to fail. I want to dig a little bit deeper into this idea that, that we are a masterpiece. The masterpiece sounds like a completed piece of work. The idea that we have divine purpose, it, it, can, it can be a sort of a daunting task, and I don't think that's what it's meant to be. It's very, very easy to feel unequipped for such a calling. 2 Peter 1.3 says this, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. His divine power, the power of God, has given us everything we need for a godly life. So there you have it. Like that's that's the thing, right? You he's given it to you. Like, go do it. 
Another way that the Apostle Paul puts it, that was Peter. Paul says this, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So we're talking about the deity of Christ here. And then he says, so you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Last week, Chad talked about our union with Christ. That's also in the podcast. Our union with Christ. We are united with Christ and what the Apostle Paul here is saying that in Christ, the deity, the full deity of God dwells and we are unified with him. Therefore, you are complete because of your union with Christ. You, according to Paul, are complete. According to Peter, you have everything you need for a godly life. Do, do those statements make you go like, mm. well, <laughs> I have my, my uncle, I just thought of this, I, I just sounded like my uncle. Um, my uncle's a pretty like non-confrontational person, a little bit like me, but um, the way that he lets people know that he strongly disagrees, he goes, well, <laughs> Uncle Ronnie, a little shout out to Uncle Ron there. Well, my dad's the opposite. He's like the oldest child, and he's like, uh, that's incorrect. Like, he just calls it, and Uncle Ronnie's like, well, I don't, <sighs> anyway, I digress. So here we are. Peter's telling us. God, in his divine power, has given us everything we need for godly living. And then we reflect on our lives and we go like, I don't think, I, so, like, so, there, there, something's not lining up here. I've, I, I've, I've not come through in the way that it seems like I'm supposed to be coming through here. So what I want to do is I want to back up just a little bit in Peter's letter. This is 2 Peter Chapter 1, we were in verse 3, so we're going to back up to verse 1. And I think it's really important to understand Peter's audience here. That's really loud. 2 Peter 1, 1 through 3. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So let's look real quick. What... What was it that they had? What was it? What? How did they get this thing from God? Peter goes to those, this is who he's addressing it to, through the righteousness of God our Savior have, watch this, this is, this is such a, a powerful statement here. Those who have received a faith. You have received a faith as precious as ours. This faith that Peter's talking about, 
A faith through which they are given everything they need for a godly life is something that they were given. Not something that they mustered up like, I'm going to have more faith. You just got to like, you just got to have more faith. If you would have more faith, then you would pull through. And Peter goes, no, no, this is something that you've, you've just received. It's, it's actually, hey, relax a little bit. You got this. Because if I'm mustering it up, whose power am I doing it through? Mine. Like, no wonder I failed. I'm trying to live a godly life through Rob's power. That would be a robly life. I just, I just made that up <laughs> off the top of my head. <laughs> that would be a robly life. He goes, no, you can live a godly life because you receive something from God. You actually receive faith from God. And we're going to get into receiving something here in a little bit. But right now, I want you to understand that faith is not something that you muster up. Faith is not something that you just have to work harder to have. It's something that you receive. The second thing I want to look at is who were the people that Peter was writing to? These people who have received this faith. Were these elite pastors, missionaries, super Christians, Seminary graduates who had the correct theology because they've been trained by the correct people. Actually, Peter's letters were addressed. When you look at the way that he addressed his letters, they were addressed. First Peter is addressed to regions. It's not even like to people. It's like to those in these cities and regions. It's to masses of people. The second one is to people who have received faith guess that's us. His letters were addressed to regions, not individuals, which really makes these letters pretty universal for all believers. We still have a lot of context to work through because different time, halfway around the world, there's a lot to work through. But these are addressed to believers Masses. The ma- and what that tells us is that the masses of people, Peter expects to understand, and Peter is telling them, you have everything you need for godly living. Could you imagine making a statement like that to entire cities and regions of people? Everybody, you have everything you need for godly living. That's what Peter's doing. I'm going to send this letter to countries of people and tell them you have everything you need for godly living. So is that something we can receive? Yes. The other part of this is is Peter says that faith is something that's received. It's not something that we need to muster up. It's something that we receive. And honestly, like what... That, to me, it, it, it's a little bit difficult because I remember growing up in church, and it was like I was always waiting for God to give me a little more. Like, when am I going to get that thing from God when I become super Christian? 
You know, you know what I mean? Like God's going to give you something and then you're going you're gonna, to like fulfill your purpose. And so I've seen it in my whole life. People coming to church every Sunday waiting for God to give this thing to them. And I'm thinking, like, in my mind, I'm remembering people, faces, individuals who would come to church waiting for God to give them something, and eventually they would just kind of give up. And so when I say that faith is something to be received, that can that kind of reminds me of, of that. We're waiting on God. Maybe this week God will give me what I need, but I'm going to tell you what Peter told the masses. You already have everything you need for the life that God has called you to. And receiving that faith is not about mustering it up. It's actually about just trusting. It's about letting go of the idea of in my power, I'm going to achieve this thing and just simply trusting that God's got you. He's not expecting you to achieve something that he's not doing in you and through you. You have everything you need for the life that God has called you to. All right, so let's look a little bit deeper about this group of believers, masses of believers. What did they have? Right? He's telling them, you have everything you need for godly living. Well, what did they have? Because we need to check those boxes too. Because sometimes we feel like something's... And I don't think it's just me. I think we all feel that, right? Sometimes we feel like, ah, like if I could just get a little more something, then I could be what God wants me to be. So let's take a deeper, a deeper look at what these believers had. Because he tells them, you have everything you need. Last week, Chad talked about being united with Christ. And a big part of that is that the Spirit of God lives in us. So if you want to know more about that, listen to last week's podcast. We have that. We, we have. Through faith in Jesus, we have. It's a promise. You've been given the Spirit of God. I'm going to get myself in trouble here. Do you know what they didn't have? And somebody's going to get mad right now. You know what these believers did not have? The Bible. They didn't. Peter's telling this group of believers, you have everything you need for godly living. You know what they had? They had a letter from Peter. Part of our Bible We're very fortunate to have so many different letters that were written that have been accumulated into the Bible that we have today. It's a lot of useful knowledge and it takes, it takes some work to sift through and to understand. And like, I'm like, I'll be the first to tell you, like, I've, I've worked really hard at understanding and there are still things that I'm like, what is that? But they, they didn't have it. And on top of that, the literacy rate in the region that Peter was 
writing to, in men was about 5 to 10%. In women, it was next to zero. Like one in 20 people could read. I'm sure they were better than we are about passing things down orally, tell stories. But they couldn't read. If you wanted to read sacred text, you had to get one of the one in 20 that could do it to sit there and read it. Sometimes we feel like, man, I haven't studied the Bible as much as others. I've studied quite a bit, like more than the average person. And here's the thing. It doesn't make me more complete in Christ than anyone else. It just means I I studied the Bible. I've gained some useful knowledge, but I'm no more complete than anyone else. I'm no more complete in Christ than somebody who can't read but trusts in what Jesus has done for them. Back then it wasn't like, hey, everybody gather around. Let's all, we're going to read our holy text, Bible in a year. Everybody go home and read and then come back to church and we'll all be complete in Christ. Like the, the church back then was like, Guys, everybody gather around. We have somebody who can read, and Peter sent us a letter. Everybody listen. And that was their text. That was what they had. So I want want to throw this out here, and this might go against um, what a, a lot of us were sort of, I don't know, indoctrinated with. But Bible knowledge is not a prerequisite for completeness in Christ. Some people might call that heresy. I call it good news. (laughs) Now, the Bible's useful and helpful. Like I'm the 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 idea that I'm teaching right now, it comes from the Bible. But the Bible itself is saying, hey, it's, it, it's, it's not about this deep understanding and knowledge. There's something else here. The people that Peter was writing to, I would say, had two things that were qualifying them for their completeness in Christ. Or two things that define their completeness in Christ. One, as we discussed, they had God. They had the Spirit. When you trust in Jesus, you are united with him in spirit. They had one other thing. A message. They had God and they had God's message. And it wasn't a complicated message. I I really believe that this is what we need to be prepared for the godly life. 
this is what completeness means on a day-to-day basis. Because that's what really matters, right? Sometimes we get into these like theological ideas. You are complete in Christ. And it's like, what? okay, but, but, what is that, but what does that mean? Like I have to, I'm going to H-E-B after this because I got to get groceries for the week. Does that matter? I have a difficult situation at home. I'm falling apart at work. And I'm like, I went to church and they told me I'm complete in Christ. And I'm like, cool. Still have all my problems. I still don't know how to deal with them. What is, like, what does this mean? I don't, like, I don't feel complete. Like, if I was complete, I wouldn't be so stressed out, right? And I I think this is really important. Completeness doesn't mean you're done growing. It doesn't mean you're done learning. I I look at my my five-year-old son, and he's a complete human being, right? I wouldn't say he's less than human. Like, he's all there. But he has a lot of growing and a lot of learning to do. He's not an incomplete person. He's a full person. But we always, in in Peter's same letter, he said, grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. Let me go back and read that again real quick. 1 Peter 1 through 3. To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. We, we can still grow. We can still learn. There's a lot of learning and there's a lot of knowledge that help us. They don't make you more complete. You have everything you need for godly living. And I think this is the key. Because you might be like, Rob, I still feel unprepared. And I think the key is that we often think that living a godly life means achieving some massive thing. Right? When I was a kid, I was like, I'm going to be a missionary. And when I become a missionary, then that will define my godly life. But completeness completeness is not about what we do, but about who we are. And here's who you are. You are a child of God with his spirit living in you. And when you receive his unmerited love, unmerited forgiveness, unmerited acceptance, what's happening is you are not becoming more complete, but you are realizing the completeness that you have. And those same experiences, that, that love and that acceptance, that forgiveness, now those things, when you receive them from God, now they are naturally flowing out of you, through you. 
because you've experienced them and they're healing. And that's kind of it. That's, that's the whole thing. So there, there is no like one day I'm going to level up into super Christian. One day I'm going to accomplish these massive, amazing things. One day I'll do things as important as somebody else. Because honestly, like, I, like I've done some things. I think what I'm doing right now is really important, but it doesn't make me more complete in Christ. If I was depending on this to fulfill me becoming like my dream, I'd be like, oh, that's it. Like I just finish and I'd walk off the stage and I'm, and then I, I, I just go back to life. I could, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I've done some cool things, but I'm, I'm still same Rob. You've done some cool things. And then it's like, well, now what? And I think it's a lot less about what we're doing and what we're accomplishing and more about just who we are or how we are. Our actions and words that carry love, acceptance, and forgiveness are the more important things. They, they are the one day I will accomplish. No, it's, it's found in your words. It's found in your actions. It's found in the way that you're affecting the people around you. This, this divine purpose is now. The divine purpose is like the way you treat your, your checker in H-E-B. Like, ugh, they put my meat in with my, you know what I mean? Like, like, with my vegetables. Now I have to wash the vegetable. You know what I mean? Like, and then you give them a dirty look. Like, no, that's, that's, that's not your divine purpose. Your divine purpose is found in patience and kindness and forgiveness in your day-to-day -day actions. This is why Jesus said, love your neighbor. And I think we can even blow that up into something that goes, well, and we see it on bumper stickers, love God, love people. What it's missing there is love your neighbor. Your neighbor is the person who you are in contact with. If my call is to just love everyone, and I think yes, but what I must do in that moment is I must reduce love into have fond, kind feelings towards everybody. That's easy. You know what's hard is loving your neighbor, is, is having, having patience and kind words. And I, I, I say it's hard, and the only reason it's hard is because we've not accepted what God's giving us. We, we really have a hard time accepting the fact that God is this forgiving. God is this loving. God is this accepting. Because when you do, all that stuff becomes natural. This idea of waiting for the important things, waiting for our big moment, waiting until we've you know, gone through Bible school or prayed enough or cried at the altar enough and received some superpower from God to be something more 
than what we are. No, no, no. You are who God has made you to be, and you're way more equipped than you know. And that power to do those things comes in this. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's that. It's just relax and trust. Your path, these things that God wants you to accomplish, they're in your path. The person who you're expected to be is who you are. The godly life you are complete and prepared for is happening in every relationship and every encounter that you have. And you get to be you. Your divine purpose that we feel so unprepared for is found in your kind words, kind actions, your patience, and the joy that you carry. And this is the biggest thing. If you are struggling with those things, kind words, kind actions, joy, it's not because you're not good enough. It's simply because you haven't realized how forgiving and kind and loving God actually is to you, which is also not your fault because you've probably been told for a long time that he's not. God is kind. God is loving. A big part of, like, forgiveness is such a big part of that. And what the Bible teaches us is that with a single sacrifice, Jesus has paid for the sins of all time. Meaning not that you have an opportunity to be forgiven in case you mess up, meaning that you live now as a forgiven person. Like, that's done. For all time. Like, but what about, no, like, the sins for all time? That's what the Bible says. Your divine purpose that you are complete and prepared for is found in your kind words and actions and patience and joy. It's found in who you are. There's a, an influencer, and I'll just call him an influencer, author, um, Shane Parrish, he, he said this. He said, what we consider defining moments like promotions or a new house matter less to life satisfaction than the accumulation of tiny moments that didn't seem to matter at the time. In the end, everyday moments matter more than big prizes. Tiny delights over big bright lights. And here's the thing, the, w the way that that applies to our Christian life is we often, we see somebody do something big and we're like, maybe one day I'll be good enough to do those things or feeling like that's for other people. But that's not it. That's not the life God has called us to. The life God has called us to has to do with our tiny interactions with each other. The love that we carry for our neighbor. You have massive impact on every person you encounter. And with the Spirit of God in you, those encounters can all be positive. 
And when they're not, guess what? Jesus has paid for the sins of all time with a single sacrifice. And I want us to, here's my just challenge for you this week. As you're going about your week, understand that your divine purpose is not coming one day. You are living in it with the people that you encounter. Every encounter, like I, I, I get this a lot, like this was, I had, I had this last week where I, I met some people and this really, really cool thing happened and, and they were like, man, a, this was a divine encounter, like God just set this up and I'm like, God sets it all up, man. Like this, like God sets this up. Why? Because God lives in us. Sometimes we look at it like there's like chess pieces that God is move, moving around. No, God just lives in us all. And our encounters, because of that, are all divine. Your encounters are all divine because the divine lives in you. We need to elevate these tiny delights over the big bright lights because often the big bright lights never come. We just sit around and we miss the most important encounters because we're waiting for something else. That's what I want us to keep in mind this week, that you are prepared. You're prepared because you're there. And the Spirit of God is living in you in every encounter. Every person you talk to is important. Every life that you encounter is a loved child of God and he's loving them through you and he's loving you through them. It's all important. It's all big. And you are prepared and you are complete and you are ready. And that comes when you just go like, oh, like it's not, it, it, it's not this thing to muster up again. Like it's, it's not about having enough faith and trying to be stronger. It's about walking in your purpose and in the love that God has put inside you that lives in you and caring about the people who are around you. And it becomes natural when you receive it from God. So this week, this is the challenge. As you go out, as you go love well, just remember that those are divine encounters because the divine lives in you. And in that, Arsenal family, I love you so much. Go love well. It truly, truly is who you're made to be. Love you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Our hope is that you feel loved and encouraged. If you have questions or need prayer, please email hello at thearsenal.church. And don't forget to download the Arsenal Church app.